Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be together with you, and I'm so grateful to have my beautiful good bride, morning. Cassie, with us this, this morning. And we are so honored to, that if you're new with us, that we get to share this time together with you. And if you are new in the room with us, I want to let you know that we have a gift for you today. And if you would, before you leave, go to the back table, and the, right by the green wall, there's a welcome table there. Find the host. And um, let them know you're new with us, and we'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. Uh, but we don't just have a gift for those in the room, we also have a gift for those online. Yes, and if you're watching online, I want to give a huge shout out for, to you. I know I normally get to engage with those of you watching online, but today I get to be with you in the room, and it is such an honor to do that. But if you are watching online, you can fill out a Connect card online. They're going to drop a link for you to click there, and we have a gift for you as well. So please click that link, and we would love to engage with you online as well. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's new in the room know, as well as those online know, how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Now, last week, we started this series called God's Will, No Regrets, and we asked a question last week. Remember that question we asked at the beginning of it? It, You know, is there, what would it look like in your life from this moment on, from this time and right now on, to live your life without regrets? And uh, remember that, how we talked about that and, and what that feeling would be, what we would feel in that moment. And today, um, we're going to tackle a question. It's actually something that uh, I told you a bit last week, that we're going to tackle one of the biggest mistakes that we believe Christians make, and many, if not every one of us, has made this mistake at one point when making a decision. And uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's a question, it's because we ask a, a wrong question, and it's a question that Jesus didn't ask, and you're going to be glad that he didn't ask this question in one of the most critical points of his uh, time, and more on that in a minute. Now, uh, more than likely, the regrets that weigh heavy heavy on you, or the regrets that weigh most heavy on you, are not just because of one bad decision. Behind each of our regrets is a series of unwise choices. Think about those regrets that you have had in your life. And we talk about with many people. We, I mean, we have uh, lots of conversations with people. And, and one of the things that we hear often, and maybe you've said this, I mean, we've said it at times. I mean, how did we get here? Have you ever talked with somebody and, or you've had that question? How did we get in this situation? How did we end up here? And it's not like anybody wanted to go into that much debt. It was just like maybe one Amazon purchase after another. That uh, buy now. That buy now is not good. Oh, subscribe and save. Anybody? Maybe, maybe that's our problem? Yeah. I don't know. The 26th of every month, it's like Christmas at our house. <laughs> he still acts surprised when yeah. it shows up at our house. When did we order this? I just tried to beat him home. Yeah. <laughs> Delivery instructions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, are kind of, uh, those are like a special gift for wives. Yeah. Again, maybe that's our problem, not yours. Pray for us. Yeah. Clearly, we need it. Sorry. Uh, think about <laughs> some of the big regrets that we have. Relationally, it's not like one big, it was one big decision that ended the relationship. It was likely a series of unwise decisions. Physically, it's not like you got to that point and go, man, how did I get here? I'm so unhealthy. 
It was likely a series of unwise choices that have led us in this. And, and when you think about how did we get here and these series of unwise choices, it's not like it's one thing. Now, there's been in our life a passage of scripture that we've memorized and we've learned, and it's something that's important to us that has really guided us. It's been a guiding factor in our life. It's guided how we believe. It's guided how we live. And it's guided our decisions in life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that with you today. Um, it is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. One of the reasons this passage of scripture is so near and dear to us. One of the reasons we love this passage of scripture is because Paul gives us a very clear pathway on how not to be foolish or how, or how to avoid regrets he, and how to understand what the Lord's will is for our lives, which led us to this series' big idea of when I follow God's will, I will have no regrets. I mean, think about that. If you were to follow God's will, knowing that if you follow God's will, you will not make those foolish decisions. Don't be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Now, last week we gave you a 30-day challenge. You remember that 30-day challenge? It was a prayer. It's a prayer for the next 30 days to pray this prayer. And this is what we're calling the series, Big Prayer. And it's this right here. Father, I want your will more than I want my way. Show me your will for today. And this is a bold prayer. It's like the smallest, biggest prayer you'll ever pray. It is. It's not a big, it's not a long prayer. It's a very meaningful prayer. It's a costly prayer. It's something that will cause you to sacrifice what you want. It's not to prayer, not to say this prayer and to take it lightly. It's a prayer that submits your way and everything you want to ultimately what you want most, what we should want most, God's will and his plan for our life. And I believe, and we believe this, as you pray this and as, as you continue to live your life following God's will every day, that you won't have to worry about, hey, coming down the road five years from now, well, I mean, I'm worried if I'm going to be in God's will. For those of you that are young and, and maybe you're, you want to one day get married, if you want to, you want to God, I want, I want to marry the person you want me to marry. I want to be in your will. Well, if you pray and you're in God's will today, There's comfort in knowing that when you're in God's will today, you will be in God's will tomorrow. And when you're in God's will, you will have no regrets. Now, what leads us to make these unwise choices? What what is it that leads us to make unwise choices? Well, I believe that the choices that we make, there's behind the choices we make, there are questions that we ask. And in fact, if you're going to make decisions, you're asking yourself questions to make the right decision. And often we make unwise choices because we do not ask wise questions. And one question that we see a lot of people ask, that uh, a lot of Christians ask specifically, we ask this of ourselves, we maybe ask this of others, is we believe this is an unwise question because it's a misguiding question. And that question is this. Am I at peace with it? Well, and I, I think one of the reasons that's an unwise question is because that we're referring to a feeling. Yeah. And that feeling that, that am I at peace with it is, is because that feeling comes from our hearts. 
And in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how our heart is deceitfully wicked, or it's, it's, it deceit, is deceitful even to us. Um, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom for us. And if this book of wisdom is warning us that the heart can be deceiving even to ourselves, can we trust it to lead us into wise decisions? Can we trust it to lead us into making wise choices, wise and honest choices? So if we're leading with our feelings, are we making wise choices? So if you're leading with peace as a decision-making tool, can you trust that that is the wisest choice? And when we say we have peace with it, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves in this moment. After all, I said last week, and we're going to talk about this next week. If you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? But when we say we have peace about this, what we need to recognize is we're acknowledging the absence of this internal conflict. Like I am totally at peace. I'm okay at second yeah, piece I'm of at peace cake. with this. I have that second piece of cheesecake. <laughs> yes. No conflict with that. <laughs> no conflict. Uh, let's just go for another one, okay? And in this, we have peace with it because we have no internal conflict. And more than it's see. It's more about that than it is an indicator that this is God's will. And we mislead ourselves. If peace is our indicator to make the decision, we mislead ourselves when we ask ourselves, am I at peace with this? Or if we ask somebody else, are you at peace with this? Because as soon as you say, are you at peace with this? You're making peace become the key decision factor. And you're assuming that the path of least resistance or the least conflict is really God's will. After all, I mean, <laughs> God wants us to be happy, doesn't he? Well, when our emotions come from a heart that can deceive us, um, our emotions should never lead us. Um, sometimes they can wait, be... Wait, wait, can you say that again? Because <laughs> that's really good. When emotions come from a place that can deceive us, emotions should never lead us. Yes. They can be indicators, yeah. but they should never lead us. Uh, when we allow our feelings to lead us, um, our decisions can lead us to a place of regret. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, having peace, then, is not this indicator that it's God's will. See, having peace is not confirmation that this is God, of being in God's will. It can, be, though, be an outcome of being in God's will. Do you see the difference? It's not like the neon sign saying, this is the way, go ye in it but it can be the product or the fruit of being in God's will. See, having peace is a fruit of being in God's will. It's not confirmation that that's the way you need to go. I love what Galatians 5 says. Galatians 5, uh, he, he talks about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, Paul, and he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And after he says this, he says something. He goes, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step, almost like follow God's will, follow the will, way of God, follow the way of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I believe that if you were to think that, if you follow God's will, well, the product, the evidence that you're in God's will is that you experience peace. But peace is not always an indicator of the will of God in our life. And we often use it, though. Hmm. And the re reason we'll say sometimes we're at peace with it is we need to be real with ourselves. See, we often use the excuse that we're at peace with it to avoid the cost or suffering. I mean, isn't that why we say we're at peace with that financial decision? Or I'm at peace with that decision. You know what it may do to the relationship. Because you don't want to, you want to avoid something. 
It's easier to avoid the tension. It's easier to avoid the tension that you feel inside. And we need to pay attention. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks too. We need to pay attention when we feel this tension inside of it. And, and we justify ourselves. We justify this. We, we, we avoid the cost financially, physically, relationally, whatever it may be, because we want to justify what we want. And we'll say, well, I'm at peace with it. Therefore, it's got to be God's will. So if I'm at peace with it, it has to be God's will. Or if I'm not at peace with it, it must not be God's will. And last week I said I'd share with you a couple stories. And um, I love these stories. These are part of our story. And when I was right out of college, and right out of the ministry school I went to, I, I came and I went back home to where my parents lived. They actually moved from my hometown to Neosha, Missouri, just south of Joppa, Missouri. And they pastored, and they still pastor that church to this day. And I went to be down there with them to help them. And I did music full time, not paid. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't paid. Um, and got no, the family rate. I got the family rate on this, yes. <laughs> PK, you know, this is what you do. Uh, so, but I, I did music for them full time. I, I, I did student ministry for them. And, uh, and also, uh, I was there, and my grandpa, I was helping take care of my grandpa. My grandpa had Parkinson's disease. He had to leave ministry. He was a full-time pastor here in Kansas City for many years, but the Parkinson's got so bad that he needed full-time care, and my grandma, being legally blind, couldn't provide that for him. And so I would take nights um, and to care for my grandpa. And I felt like this was God's plan for me. And I remember one day that I got a call from a pastor in Sykeston, Missouri, and asked me if I would come. And this would have been like my first paid gig, by the way. This was like a neat thing to get a call to do this. And Sykes, Missouri is in the boot heel of Missouri. And he asked if I would come to be their worship pastor and associate pastor there. And he needed some help. And he said, man, I would really, I've heard about you. I'd really love to, to have you come. And while that was really neat and to be in honoring to be asked to come, man, I didn't feel at peace with that. I was where I wanted to be. I was with my family. I felt like I need, they needed me there. I felt like, hey, I'm in ministry and this is great. God's doing amazing things. And I really just had no desire to go. I did tell him, though, I'd pray about it, you know, because that's a good You're thing to do, to you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a three-day fast. And the second night of the fast, the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just, I knew this in my heart. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's time to go. I did not want to go. And so, me being the spiritual man that I am, I call him up after the fast. I say, Pastor Greg, I really appreciate the invitation. But I just don't think it's the right time. And I can't tell you, you know, um, exactly what happened in that moment because I really don't know but I do know this that the closest I've ever been to depression was in this moment because what happened on the inside of me I knew that I did not do the right thing because I wanted to justify what I wanted more than I wanted to follow his will and those, those next couple days were dark. I hadn't told my parents yet. And one day I was with, a couple days later, I was with my dad driving to Springfield, Missouri, and we were in the car together. 
And he goes, so um, how are you doing? He knew something was up. I go, Dad, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. He goes, so have you come to your decision? I go, yeah, I just feel like it's supposed to stay here. And he goes, have you told the, the, the pastor that? He goes, I go, yeah. He looked at me, he goes, you made the wrong decision, didn't you? I looked at him, I go, yeah. I sure did. He gave me a cell phone. And for all of you, this was at a time cell phones weren't that common. It was a Nokia. I didn't have one. And I called Pastor Greg up and I said, Pastor Greg, I'm sorry. God told me to come. And I said no. But if the offer's still there, I'd like to come. I ended up going to South Africa, not to South Africa, Sykes, Missouri. Fast forward some time. <laughs> Uh, hit the fast forward button and a pastor in Kansas City calls uh, me up and says, hey, I would love for you to consider coming to Kansas City. Which to be discovered in Sykeston, Missouri um, is no small miracle. Yeah, it'd have to be the hand of God, right? <laughs> and so in this, um, I said, hey, I'll, I'll pray about it, prayed about it, did a fast again. And I, I, not that this is how I think God always does it, but again, night two of the fast. And the reason I think fasts are a good way to pray about decisions is because it gets all of your um, flesh out of the way or your, and you can hear God's voice. And, and, and in this, the Holy Spirit said to me, it's time to go. Now, again, I wasn't in a place that I thought we were ready to go. Things were going well in Saxon. I enjoyed being there. And, uh, but God told me to go. And at this point, I didn't make the same dis- mistake I did earlier. And so I told the pastor there that, uh, yes, I'll, we'll do this. And uh, so moved to Kansas City. This went, is where it gets good for me. Yes. <laughs> she lived in Kansas City yes. in the metro area. <laughs> Came to a church in Kansas City. And, and while we were here, uh, Cassie had just maybe a week before that started at the church and helping with the student ministry as a, as a, as a, a, a lay leader there. Uh, she knew the youth pastor. And uh, so I was there as a worship pastor and helping with the young adult ministry and over time, I'm not going to say that Casey's coming to this church had anything to do with my decision to stay, but <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And so in this time, um, I'm leading a young adult ministry here along with the music and helping out with the youth group, building up a band for them. And, uh, and in all of this, I... Uh, <laughs> Um, teaching a, a Sunday school class. You remember the day and age when we had Sunday school? So we had Sunday school and young adult class at the time. And, and we were doing this little book called The Red Sea Rules. And Cassie walked in a little bit late. And, uh, it's not normal. Not normal. Maybe. Just kidding. <laughs> a little, and, and, and in this, when she walked in, something just leaped inside of me. Now, just you got to know something uh, about me. I, for some of you know this. I never dated anybody in, before Cassie. And the reason wasn't just because I was weird. I just made a decision when I was 15 years old. <laughs> you can decide for yourself yeah. after the story's over. Yeah. When I was 15 years old, I made this decision because someone said, yeah, you know, marriage is a, is a serious thing. And I, I just made a decision at 15 years old that I'm not going to marry somebody until I am ready to get married emotionally. And I see that. And secondly, that I find somebody with a strong Christ-like character who challenges me to follow Jesus. Two dynamics right there. And Cassie met both of those Bill, both those, those identifying marks. And when she walked in that morning, 
um, wearing her blue shirt and and it just it was like I was like she's gorgeous and something deep inside of me like this was different I you know you had feelings like oh she's pretty but this was different and um, I didn't know what to do with this so I began to pray God what do you want me to do you know what do I need to do and I began to submit this to His will it, this took a year just, oh yeah so this is a, this took yeah, a year. timeline it's important. And the Holy, it, it, no lie, the Holy Spirit. So this is another moment that the Holy Spirit, again, not an audible voice, but this was just, this is a funny one. Um, the Holy Spirit said, practice what you preach. And that Sunday morning, the lesson was on the Red Sea rules when they're at the edge of the, the water at the Red Sea, if you know that story in Exodus. And the lesson, the big idea was, when in doubt, take the next logical step by faith. So you know what I did? I asked her out. Via text. <laughs> no joke. And this is before texting was cool. This is when you actually had to pay for your text messages. Yeah. 300 text messages <laughs> right. a month, and I was one of them. <laughs> and so uh, I asked her to go out to eat with me, and this is what she said. Why? <laughs> I can't make this up. She actually asked why. I had no clue how to respond but to this. To be fair, like being that we were very involved in the same church, it was not uncommon to go out to eat often with a group. I was just wondering why he was being so particular about making <laughs> plans ahead of time. Yeah. And I was incredibly broke, and so I needed to know, are you <laughs> paying or am I paying? <laughs> yeah. And so um, Ladies important rule. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure asking why is not in the playbook. <laughs> I had no clue how to respond to that. So you ready for this? Because I'm suave. Very smooth. In, in control. And like uh, I said, because I want to show you how much I appreciate you. <laughs> that was my text. I totally blew it. And if the fact that we are not married now is not evidence of God's grace. <laughs> yes, amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so fast forward. Um, I'm so glad that. The Holy Spirit was in leading that. <laughs> and, um, and that led, did lead to an engagement, marriage. And now we've been married for 18 years. I won't tell you how young she was when we married, just <laughs> because you know, she's beautiful and um, young, very young, <laughs> very young. And, um, you know, fast forward, this uh, part of our life has always been really keeping Jesus and keeping God's will at the center of our life. It's always been a key decision factor for us. It's been very important for us. And then 2011, December 2011, I was on staff at our parent church, Westside Family Church in Lenexa. And it was Christmas that season, and the pastor, lead pastor there, asked me if um, Cassie and I'd be willing to prayerfully consider moving to South Africa to help plant a church. And while I was honored that he thought we could do this, I told him an immediate no. Absolutely not. We, 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 where we were in ministry, where we were and what our plans were, I mean, there, one, I never wanted to be a missionary. And I knew what the cost was. And we never wanted to plant churches. We knew what the cost was. And in this, uh, we just had found out how many... Like nine days. Nine days earlier that we were pregnant with our second child. Judah was a year and a half old, our oldest, and now we know Genesis was the second child. 
There's and, no way. And they were asking us to go within the year. Yeah, they were asking us to make a move in 2012 to move. And honestly, there was no peace yeah. at all on this. But they asked me if I'd pray about this. Even though I said no, I felt, well, now I feel obligated to. And I uh, told them we would pray about it. And at the beginning of the year, we were in a pattern. We created this pattern in our marriage that uh, we take, and we still do this to this day. We take the first of the year, do a 21-day fast. Because we want to be in God's will more than anything. And I remember on day six of that fast, I'm in the shower. I hear without a shadow of a doubt, and again, not an audible voice, but I just know God spoke to my heart. I want you to go to South Africa. I said, God, I don't want to go. Do you know what you're asking us to do? You're asking us to uproot our life for a year? Because at this time we were thinking of just a year. And you're asking us to go to South Africa? And I didn't want to. I knew what I heard. I tried to bargain with God. Okay, I'll go on a mission trip. (laughs) I'll go on a mission trip. That's not what he asked. So I waited on this for a couple days. And uh, one morning, Cassie... uh, was, it was a Saturday morning. Actually, not even that. It was earlier in the week. It was, um, Cassie was down in our beautiful home in this great area, this great neighborhood, and holding our son. And you were down by the bay window looking out having, and just having that time. And I came down and I sat down. And you remember that conversation? I do. I said, I know God's called us to go to South Africa. And we began to talk. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, were we at peace with this? No. It was one of the most difficult conversations that we'd ever had. Not that it was contentious within us, but knowing what the cost was that they were asking us to do, that God was asking us to do. Not them. God was leading us in this. And as time involved, it grew from one thing to another, and this situation, I mean, it continued to evolve. We found out yeah. it wasn't just a year commitment. It actually ended up growing well, it, into more. Yeah, it was initially a one-year commitment, and, um, you know, you can, you can pause your life for a year, and my job would have waited for a year um, my boss was going to retire. She was the director at a hospital in, uh, in Johnson County, and she had wanted me to take over for her, and she had agreed to, to postpone her retirement and, so that when we returned, I could take over for her. Um, but as we looked at the scope of what they were asking us to do, we realized that this was, at a minimum, a three-year project. And we didn't want... We didn't want to be tied to our things here. And you know what? In this moment, we actually had a, an interesting thing that, like, maybe this was our way out. Like, hey, we took it back the to, variables. We took it back to prayer. Like, God, we were willing to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, was this just that, that moment where were we just supposed to be willing 
And so we did. We took it back to prayer. And the answer was still, no, I knew this was going to happen, and you're still supposed to go. And um, it was in that moment that we decided that um, because we didn't want to try to manage a life here and still be committed to a ministry and a lifestyle uh, in South Africa, that the, for us, the option here, the best option was to sell everything. And that was really hard because uh, we felt that we were living um, a Jeremiah 29, 11 life here. We thought that this was his plan to prosper us and, and not to harm us and plans to give us hope and a future. And we thought that these were um, things that we had wisely prepared for and that these were the blessings God had given us. And um, we, like Casey said, we had this home and, and a great area and um, we had loved... a great job. I had a great job that would have allowed you to... Um, you were up for a promotion even. A great job that would have allowed you to have any job in ministry yeah. that you wanted regardless of income yeah. and um, we had wisely prepared for that. That is the reason that I had this, that is the reason I had gone to school and yeah. had chosen this career path and um, we thought that those were the steps that we had prepared for. We thought that that was the way that God had directed our, our steps. And, um, and now we're having these conversations like it's not matter if your car is hijacked. We're preparing for when your car is hijacked. And it's not that I cared so much about the car, but I was now going to have two babies in the back seat. And my question was, will it, do they let you get the kids out of the back seat? Mm-hmm. And there was no answer to that. And I was not okay with that. I was not at peace with that. Um, I didn't know what infant care looked like in a developing country. I had never been to South Africa. I had pictures of living in Rondovels. And um, for those of you who don't know, those are the mud hats that are circles with straw roofs. And um, I didn't know if you had to be on, like, Lion Watch at night. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I do know that lions roam free. <laughs> um, but I had no idea what life in South Africa was like. This was a blind drop for me into a foreign country. And I knew that I had um, two babies to watch for. And um, I didn't know what types of... of uh, food would be available for Genesis if I had any type of nursing complications. And, and that's a really big deal for a, a newborn and, and for a new mom. And I had um, all this life change coming at me, and there was no peace no. in it. And everyone, what I remember is everyone kept coming up and saying, what an amazing opportunity. You must be so excited. And I told him at one point, I said, if one more person comes up to me and says that, I am going to punch them in the face, <laughs> and I will either be in jail and get out of going to Africa, or I will feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was not at peace with this decision, and I remember there were days that I would just be laid low, and I would be crying, and God, I had no peace with what you are calling us to do, but I know that this is your will. And I know that this is what you have for us, and I know that you are in it. But I am not at peace with what you are asking us to do. And I remember reading, um, so excuse me. I remember reading in um, C.S. Lewis' book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's describing Aslan, who portrays a type, kind of a picture of Christ. And they describe him in a way that says he is not always safe. But he is good. And that is what I felt in that moment. 
So we walked forward. We sold everything I made. I made a sign in our yard that said, um, moving to Africa, literally everything must go. And we sold everything. We had this guiding belief that whenever God says do it, we do it. We surrender to God's will. We didn't ask if we were at peace with this. That was a dumb question at the time. Yeah, that would not have been the right question to ask. And um, what we did then is we reduced our life down to a 10 by 10 storage unit and nine bags. Um, I think the picture is up there now. And what you're seeing there, and I also want to take a moment to say that um, my sister also uprooted her life to move over with us um, to help care for the kids and also the orphan program that Westside was was sponsoring. So the bags that you see there is everything that three adults and two kids would need for the next three years. There was no crate that was coming. There was no housing goods that were waiting for us. Um, That is everything that we had reduced our lives to. And then we landed on the tarmac in Johannesburg, South Africa, which was the first airport of two and that we'd be landing in South Africa. And uh, our eight-week-old daughter, two-and-a-half-year-old son. And behind those eyes and behind that smile was no peace. There was fear. There was um, concern. And, and sometimes there was even anger, God. But there was a confidence in all of this. A confidence that it was his will for us. And that outweighed everything in us. It outweighed the fear, it outweighed this, and our commitment was we always wanted to be in God's will, even if it costs. So we laid down our plans, we laid down our dreams because we wanted His will more than we wanted our way. And that moment right there was a very costly thing. And we knew that following God's will was worth it, regardless of the cost to us. And the reason we had this confidence is because this is what Jesus had. The night before he would go to the cross, after that Lord's Supper that he had, and he would go to the garden. And this is what Luke writes. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He didn't ask, God, am I at peace with this? I'm glad he didn't ask that. He asked, God, is this your will? Because clearly, he, I, I think if you were to ask Jesus, are you at peace with No, he was not at peace with the cost. He was like, God, if there's any other way, Matthew would say there are three other times, two other times Jesus would pray this, God, if there's any other way that you can take this cup of suffering away from me, any other way, yet not what I want, not my way, your will be done. 
He might not have been at peace with the circumstance, but we know Jesus was at peace with his father. I mean, he addresses father, his heavenly father. And then in that moment, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Think about this. He needed to be strengthened. I mean, why did he need to be strengthened if, he, if, he, if he, there wasn't a struggle here? doesn't sound like an internal peace to me. And being in anguish, listen to this, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And then the doctor here, Luke the doctor here, gives us some insight into the medical state of the pressure that Jesus was under because of all the stress that he was in and following God's will for his life. And his sweat fell like drops. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from the prayer, he went back to the disciples, found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You know, here Jesus models for you and I how we can trust God's will, even when it costs something to us, even when it means that it's not my way, even when following God's will is in conflict with what you want, your dreams, your plans for your life. And in these moments, we do not need to ask the question, am I at peace with it? We do not need to ask each other the question, are you at peace with it? Because this can mislead us. It puts our emotions at the driver's seat. But we want God's will to be in the driver's seat. And we need to take our cue from Jesus and because he was at peace with his relation, in his relationship with his heavenly father, Jesus endured suffering, knowing it was God's will. He endured the suffering. And because Jesus did this, he made it possible for every one of us to receive God's forgiveness. He made it possible because he endured and he submitted to God's will, even though he wished there would have been another way. And he made a way. So you and I can have a relationship with God the Father and we can have peace with God, that we can have a peace in our relationship with God. And we learned in our story of moving to South Africa that we can have peace with our relationship with God and it does not mean that we're gonna have peace in our circumstances around us and we're gonna be at peace with the circumstances around us. And we learn that God's grace is always there. Just like God's grace was there to strengthen Jesus in the middle of it, his grace was there to strengthen us in the middle of our troubles. And it led us to a, a deeper faith. I think that oftentimes we pray to have that deeper faith. Um, but when the circumstances come up that would, would strengthen our faith, when these difficulties come up, we immediately pray that God take them away. Yeah. Um, you know, remove these things from my life because I want an easy path. I don't want these difficulties. I don't want these challenging circumstances. I don't want to endure these things. Or why are you challenging me? And yet what you're doing is you're praying that these things, the very thing that would strengthen your faith be removed from your life. The very thing that God has allowed to come into your life that would deepen your faith, that would strengthen your faith, that would that would challenge your growth. You're asking to be removed and from often your life. God uses the things that we want to avoid to grow us. See, Jesus didn't avoid suffering or the cost. He embraced it. You know why he embraced it? Because he knew what was on the other side of it. And because he lived this way, he shows you and I what's on the other side of following God's will, even if it costs you. I want you to listen as we close today. 
to Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him. I want to say that again. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There is joy. There is joy on the other side of following God's will. And when you have to give up what you want, and it come, God, following God's will comes at the cost of giving up what you want, you can rest assured of what Jesus knew, that there is joy on the other side. So fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on him. And if you don't remember anything else today, maybe you remember this idea, this teaching big idea, that when you obey God's will, you will have joy even when you're not at peace with the cost. There are times in our life that we'll look back. We'll look back at South Africa. Things that even have cost us a lot. There's something we'll ask each other. Any regrets? No. No No. regrets. No regrets. And we want that for you. We want it for each and every one of you. And we want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask Cassie to pray with you. And after she prays, we want you to know that our prayer partners will be available to pray with anyone. Cass, would you pray with us? Absolutely. Father, thank you for the wisdom in your word that shows us your will and the way to follow you and to live without regrets. And the moments that it's hard to follow, give us the courage to follow you. We know that you are the God that goes before us, behind us, and you walk with us. For anyone that is facing a hard decision right now of whether or not to keep walking with you in the hard times, I pray that you would just encourage them and strengthen them and give them grace upon grace as they pursue your will as we live from a place from grace. God, as a result of what you have done for us, we love you and we thank you. And this life is all for you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Westside. We'll see you next Sunday.